one of the most basic elements of the Christian faith, which distinguishes it from all the other religions, is that biblical concept that Jesus taught about the fatherhood of God. There are a lot of people who go around and say, God is the father of everybody. In the sense that He's the creator of everybody, He is the father of everybody. But He is uniquely the father of all of those who are brothers and sisters of the Lord Jesus Christ. They alone can truly call Him a father and know what that privilege is all about. It is not just a word, father in heaven. Because to understand the fatherhood of God for the believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, it will absolutely revolutionize your life. Now, the greatest challenge for understanding and comprehending the fatherhood of God and what it is like to call God Father is the wrong image that so many of us have because of our earthly fathers. Those who have grown up with harsh, angry, hard earthly fathers inevitably transfer that image upon the fatherhood of God, our Heavenly Father. Those who have grown up with fathers who are weak-willed and not commanding respect from their children will be at some point transferring that image and apply it to the Heavenly Father. That's a challenge. It's a challenge for all of us. And the challenge is this, how to separate these experiences from the true image of our Heavenly Father. Now, I grew up in a different country, in a different culture, and... uh, They talk about how whacking a child can warp his personality. Now, I'm going to tell you, it warped another part of my body, but not my personality. (laughs) But even those who grew up in homes with fathers who are fair and honest and loving and generous and strong and gentle, at their best, our earthly fathers are a pale approximation of what our heavenly father is like. Good as they may be, they can never be compared with our Heavenly Father. And I hope today we'll understand that. In fact, David Lewis, who has done a major research on the verbalizing of love to children by fathers, he concluded that 84% of those children who grew up with fathers able to verbalize their love to their children have a higher degree of spiritual maturity of those who grew up in homes where fathers were unable to verbalize love toward them, about 39% of them have a spiritual maturity. And it happened because somebody came along the way and filled that gap. But I'll tell you what, as I reflected upon this all week, I am sure of one thing, is that my heavenly daddy verbalizes his love for me every single moment of every day. He is constantly saying to us through the pages of the Scripture and through the blessings and through others, He is constantly saying to us, I love you. I will always love you. Nothing will stop me from loving you. Dr. Seymour Diamond concluded that fathers in America spend an average of 38 seconds a day being totally attentive and 20 minutes a day being partially attentive to the needs of their children. And when I read this, I really wanted to shout. I mean, I really shouted, actually. (laughs) I was alone, and I was able to shout. I said, but my heavenly daddy is attentive to me all 100% of the time. 
Not just a portion of the time. 24 hours in the day. Our heavenly daddy, we are the object of his attention. We are the subject of his concern. We are the center of his focus. We are the occupant of his time. We are the focus of his planning. We are the recipient of his companionship. Oh, our heavenly daddy is preoccupied with us. And that is why Jesus taught his disciples to pray saying, Our Father. Our Father. There are many people, of course, that use the Lord's Prayer, as we saw in the last message, as a kind of a magical prayer to get them out of trouble. You know, if you're in trouble, just say the Lord's Prayer. That's not the way it was given by our Lord Jesus to the disciples. There's some people use it as a substitute for praying and spending time in intimacy with God. As a matter of fact, I read about uh, that some years ago, Harry Cohen was the head of Columbia Movie Studios. And they said in the early days, Harry's brother flew in from New York to come and visit his brother in Los Angeles. And um, his brother was criticizing Harry for the way he's doing things. And, and finally, the arguments really heated up. And, and Harry looked at his brother and said, I bet you don't know the Lord's Prayer. He said, well, what's this got to do with everything? He said, I just bet you don't know the Lord's Prayer. And his brother said, well, I, yes, I do. Yes, I do. He said, I'll tell you. He said, I, and now I lay me down to sleep. <laughs> I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. And Harry said, well, I'll have to apologize then. I really didn't think he knew it. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus taught his disciples and his followers after that to pray, saying, Our Father, our Father. In all four Gospels, there are about 70 times that the Lord Jesus Christ talked about His Father. In fact, He referred to God in heaven as His Father every time in the Gospels except one. And that one time when He hung on that cross carrying my sins and yours. And that moment He was separated from the eyes of the Father for the first time since the beginning of time. For that moment when He carried and bore your sin and mine. At that moment, it's the only time He could not call Him Father. He said, my God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? The Aramaic word that Jesus would have used the word Abba, not the Hebrew word. And that word Abba carries incredible connotation of intimacy. It carries with it an incredible connotation of deep personal feelings. And this to most of the Jews who were listening to Jesus at that moment, to all of them without exception, maybe a few exceptions, it's a radical view of God. To them, it was a new revelation about God. This was a unique way of viewing God. The Jews knew God as the father of the nation. Not necessarily their father, but the father of the nation of Israel. As a matter of fact, in Isaiah chapter 63 verse 16, it declares that for you are our father and the father of our nation. But over the centuries, because of their disobedience, continuous disobedience to the Lord God, because of their continuous flirting with the pagan gods of Baal, because of their continuous turning their back on God, they lost the sense of God's fatherhood to the nation. And they saw God as distant, as a faded figure in history who has helped their ancestors some time ago. In fact, 
The whole gospel of Matthew, if you read it carefully, it is a contrast between Israel, the son whom God called out of Egypt, who became rebellious, who turned their back on God, the son who refused to obey God and his commission, and comparing him with Jesus, who is the true son, the faithful son, the obedient son, the perfect son, the sinless son. And therefore, the Apostle Paul in Romans and Galatians see the Lord Jesus Christ is the full fulfillment of all the promises that were given to Abraham. And that all of the sands and the stars come as a result of the brothers and the sisters that Jesus brings to his father. And only those who are Jesus' brothers and sisters can truly call God our father. Those who put their trust in him those who accept his death on the cross to be for them, those who will follow him and obey him at any cost, those and those alone can call God Father. They're able to say that because of their faith. This is not a very popular message. That in the eyes of the world and the educators of our day is being exclusivist and a bigot. But that's really their problem. And it's between them and God. Because I will tell you what the Word of God says. And it says this, that Jesus and Jesus alone can get you adopted by the Father. There is no other way under heaven. There's no other name under heaven by which men are given to call upon God. Only the name of Jesus. Jesus is the only one and He alone can sign your adoption papers. Jesus and Jesus alone can bring you to the Father. Jesus and Jesus alone can make it possible for anyone who comes to Him in repentance and faith to be able to call His Father our Father. I hope that you're not going to misunderstand anything that I'm going to say from now on. I don't mind you disagreeing, but I don't want you to misunderstand me. I want you to at least disagree after you understand. I'm going to tell you only what the Bible says. I'm not a politician and I'm not a partisan. I'm not a lawyer. I'm a preacher of the Word of God. Every one of you under obligation before God to measure everything by the Word of God, not by who said what. You have to measure what God's Word said by what is happening and you have to make your own mind up. The Bible tells us that without the shed blood of Jesus Christ, there can be no forgiveness. The Bible tells us that without the shed blood of Christ, repentance is not acceptable in the sight of God. Without the shed blood of Christ, there can be no true restoration. Without the shed blood of Jesus Christ, we cannot call God our Father or be received by Him. Or be forgiven by Him. That's His way. He spilled it out. He does not need us to improve on it. People are running around talking about forgiveness. Isn't it amazing the whole country became Christian? <laughs> All of a sudden, everybody talking about forgiveness. Without even understanding what the word means. Without even understanding the concept of forgiveness. They think forgiveness is just wink at sin and keep moving. I want to tell you this, that remorse... And even a decision to change is not the same as biblical forgiveness, as biblical repentance. The Bible tells us that biblical repentance says that I cannot have salvation without Jesus. That I cannot have power to overcome sin without Jesus. That I 
cannot help myself. Only Jesus can help me and to change me through His power, not my decision-making. I don't care how strong-willed a person may be. That is the core of the Christian faith. Some will say, but listen, Brother Yusuf, you don't understand. It is not politically correct to mention the name of Jesus in a federal building. I'm going to give you a good theological word, hogwash. (laughs) And this is the core of our problem as a nation. You see, the founding fathers came under the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, who were not ashamed to mention Him. And then out of His characteristics, out of His love, they opened this country for people like me to come into this nation and be blessed and share in the blessing that God has given this nation. But I never came, nor do anybody has the right to come and rearrange the furniture. The core of the problem is this. If we cannot name Jesus' name, we cannot expect, nor we can continue to receive Jesus' blessings. If we are ashamed of Jesus' name, Jesus said, My Father in heaven will be ashamed of you in the day of judgment. If we are embarrassed to name the name, the only name who can forgive us and restore us and accept our repentance, then there can be no true forgiveness. If we are anxious to avoid His magnificent name, then there is no true repentance and therefore no true restoration. Without Jesus, repentance is not worth a half a hallelujah. It's mere human effort. It will not last. It has no power with God. Please hear me right. See, Jesus' name is power. The problem is that we're so sucked in by our secular culture and technology and science that we have ceased to believe that Jesus' name is power. And that power has been replaced even in our lives who know Jesus. Those of us even believers, every single day. Jesus' name is power. And no government anywhere in the world likes any rivals for power. And that is why they don't like the name of Jesus. Now they don't mind, of course, some sort of a nebulous mention of God or a God somewhere. They may even get emotional about it, that nebulous name. But it has no power with God. No one can call God Father who does not have Jesus as his Savior brother. It is impossible because that is God's way, God's only way. Our Father is very compassionate. Oh, he is loving. He is graceful. He is merciful. There is not a single believer who does not understand what I'm talking about. Every one of us have been the recipients of His grace and mercy and forgiveness. Every one of us have sinned. Every one of us have lost touch with our God. But He forgave us. He restored us. But you know what? There's only one way to receive that. That's His way. And He wants people to come to Him His way, not their way, whatever that may be. In fact, Jesus paints a magnificent picture in Luke chapter 15. It is a magnificent picture. You know what Jesus is doing? He says, I am painting a picture of my daddy in heaven. I want you to know what he's like. Let me tell you what my daddy's like. This father is loving. 
He is caring. He is compassionate. He is patient. He is long-suffering. He is slow to anger. He is quick to forgive. That's the kind of father, that's the kind of painting picture that he wants us to have. When his son decided to leave home, he let him go. He never tried to stop him. While he waited for him day in and day out, he never tried to force him back. While his heart was broken in two over his son's rebellion, he never hired some private detectives to go and rescue him from the pigs. And while he longed for his son to come back, he never, never, never changed his own standards for forgiveness in order to suit his son. Not once. Only when the son came into repentance the father's way. Was he able to experience the Father's love, the Father's forgiveness, and the Father's blessings? You have to come to God God's way, not the politically correct way. You have to come and say, Jesus, that's God's way. There's only one way. I did not make the rule. God did. His Word did. And if this prodigal son, you know, got even as far as a mile away from home, but never got home to the eyesight of his father, he would have been just as bad for him as he was in the far country. If he had come and said, well, you know, I just feel bad about talking to my father. I better send somebody to talk to the father on my behalf. He would have been just as bad as he was in the far country. He had to come to the father, the father's way. That's why we can call him our father. Because we have submitted to him, he did not submit to us. What kind of a God is it who submits to our desires and our whims and our ideas of him? And our Heavenly Father only accepts us and receives us and forgives us and restores us through the shed blood of Jesus Christ on Calvary. No amount of tears or remorse is going to bring about forgiveness from God unless those tears... (laughs) are over what your sin has cost God. And it cost him plenty for his son to hang on a cross and die. Feeling sorry for your wrongdoings is not true repentance. Feeling remorse over sin is not biblical repentance. Jesus said to his disciples, When you pray, say, Our Father. In fact, you know the story of the prodigal son is really a pure example that the only way to come to the Father is the Father's way. And only those who come to the Father, the Father's way, can be His children. It's a magnificent example because the older boy gives us the other side of that too. The older boy stayed home, sang in the choir, (laughs) did all his chores, kept his room tidy, did all the outwardly right things, But he had just as big a wall between him and the Father. You know why? Because he allowed self-righteousness and self-pity to build that wall up. There are so many people in the churches have a wall between them and the Heavenly Father. Do you know why? Because they want to get to God their way. They want to please God their way. The Father tried to assure that older boy that everything he has belongs to him. The Father tried to assure him that according to Jewish law, he's even entitled to twice as much as his younger brother. The father tried to assure him of his love for him, of his affection toward him, of his interest in him. 
but his pride stopped him. Some of you religious pride stopping you from knowing God the Father as your Father. Some of you intellectual pride stopping you from knowing God as your Daddy. Some of you have pride and success and that's stopping you from knowing God as your Father. I pray to God you will give it up today. That pride prevented the older boy from enjoying all the benefits that were his. They were his. But pride got in the way because he did not believe what his father said. And he was trying to do it his way. He was trying to earn what his father said is already his. Can you imagine that? He forfeited that privilege. In fact, the older boy really is the more pathetic of the two. Really, when you think about it. The older boy is a picture of a poor, pathetic person who go to church, has a membership somewhere, a person who wants to believe in God his or her way, a person who tries so hard the wrong way, a person who takes God for granted, a person who wants God's grace and God's forgiveness some other way other than the shed blood of Jesus Christ on Calvary. And yet, let me tell you about the Father and the picture that Jesus paints about the Father. The Father was just as brokenhearted over the older boy as much as he was over the younger boy in the far country. Please hear me right. None of that changes the love of the Father. None of that changes the yearning of the Father for the Son to come back. None of that changes the waiting of the Father. There's nothing you can do for God to love you more. There's nothing you can do for God to love you less. He loves you and nothing is going to stop him from loving you. But the waiting father will be waiting in vain if we try to modify his way, if we try to twist his way, if we try to improve on his way. Why? Because his way is not open for modification or improvement. Our Father. Little phrase. You know what it does is you begin the disciples' prayer. It sort of reduces all the complications of life into that simple relationship. Do you have that simple relationship? Have you experienced it? Do you know Him or is there something that's blocking Him and your relationship with Him from being enjoyed so thoroughly? Jesus said to His followers... When you pray, say, Our Father. Now, I want to tell you a couple of things about what we call the Lord's Prayer, of the prayer that the Lord taught the disciples to pray. When you pray, say, Our Father. Remember, this is nearly 2,000 years ago in a Jewish context, and Jesus did not have Mr. Mom in mind when he says this. He knew, and God continues to teach us, that the Father is the provider The Father is the protector, and the Father is the director, and there's no escape from that. We cannot throw this onto our wives and and the mothers. Thank God for their godliness. Thank God for the way they come in and, and pick up, especially the single moms. My heart goes out to you in prayer that God will give you a double portion of His blessings. But that does not take away from the responsibility of fathers. Now that I've just about stepped on every toe, let me tell you four things. (laughs) Four things as I conclude. 
They're not the four points of the sermon I really have preached already. But you got to write those four down. As I reflected upon those magnificent two words again and again, four things I've learned. Number one, having God for my father means an end to all fear. Pagans and many other religions, they are terrified of their deities. They are terrified of their gods. But I'm not afraid of my God because he's my daddy. But not only that my heavenly father takes away my fear. Secondly, he gives me all hope and confidence that I need to banish uncertainty in my life. You see, because of that relationship, because I know that in my daddy I have protection, in my daddy I have safety, in my daddy I have security, in my daddy I have serenity, in my daddy I have peace, in my daddy I have salvation, yes, in my daddy I have joy unspeakable, even in the midst of the tough times. Not only that when God is my father, I have no fear. Not only when God is my father, I have hope and protection. But thirdly, when God is my father, I have companionship. I have companionship. You know, your family may reject you. Your friends may forsake you. But your heavenly daddy never, 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 never. How many nevers are these? Well, let's say some more. Never, 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 never forsake you. Listen to what Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 21. Here's what Jesus said. He who has my commandments and keeps them. Here's the key point. He is that loves me. And he who loves me shall be loved by my Father. And I will love him and will disclose myself to him or her. Let me ask you this. Has God revealed himself to you? Recently, somehow, maybe you have not been keeping his commandments. Maybe your love has grown cold. Not only that when God is my father, I have no fear. Not only when God is my father, I have hope and protection. Not only when God is my father, I have companionship. But finally, when God is my father, I have his provision. All of the resources of heaven are available to God's children. Did you know that? All of the resources in heaven. But I'm going to tell you the problem. The problem is our lack of faith blocks these blessings from coming in. Somebody says to me, oh, isn't that terrible what's happening in the stock market? I said, let me ask you this. What did you do for God when the stock market was up? We gripe and complain. One little bit of a twist in the financial market. But how do we do, what do we do with the blessings that he gives us? And as long as we hoard them, we block the opportunity for God to pour out his resources. When you pray, say, our Father. Our Father means God is eager to hear me. Our Father means that God is eager to empower you and hear you. And God is eager to bless you and lead you. The story told of a Roman emperor who was parading through the streets of the imperial city as the Romans always have these victory parades. And on both lines of the streets were these tall legionnaires standing there to hold the masses of people from pushing into the parade street. There was one place along the road, that victory parade road, 
there was a platform. On that platform, the royal family was sitting. And as the emperor's chariots was approaching very close to the platform, the youngest son of the emperor ran from the platform and he kind of jumped out of there and burrowed in the midst of the crowd and and he was trying to get into the street, trying to get into the chariot and one of those big soldiers scooped him up and said, what do you think you're doing? Do you know whose chariot is this? This is the emperor. And the little boy looked at him and he said, he may be your emperor, but he is my father. I am led of the Holy Spirit to give an opportunity to anyone who does not know the heavenly father because he has not received Jesus, the Savior and Lord, as a brother. Then I'm going to ask all of those who know the Lord Jesus, but whose image of their earthly father has been blocking their intimacy with their heavenly father, that that image will be accurately portrayed from the word of God about our heavenly father. And let God the Holy Spirit do his work in your life. There is nothing the enemy would like to do more than to keep you from enjoying (laughs) the incredible intimacy that you can have with your heavenly daddy by piling up all that stuff that doesn't belong there. Now, I believe with all my heart that God, the Holy Spirit, wants to do some healing today, some restoration, because we're going to do it in Jesus' name. Our precious Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can call you that. And Father, we come to you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who made it possible for us to call you, Father. We come to you in his name. And we ask in the power of your Holy Spirit to come afresh and visit today. Father God, I pray for that power to come from head to toe and touch your servants. That the image of you, Heavenly Father, be imprinted in their minds and and through their understanding of the Word of God. Father, I pray for complete healing and deliverance from whatever it is that is blocking us from being intimate with you. Father, we thank you that you're the God of mercy and grace. We thank you that you're a God of forgiveness. When we come to you your way, and we do come to you in Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. That's ltw.org. 